Welcome to the Trend Detection Podcast, powered by Sensei, an industry leader in using AI to drive scalable and sustainable asset performance and reliability. For this four-part series, I'm joined by Florian Beal, CEO at Axelus Reply, an accelerator to enable manufacturers to embrace the industrial internet of things. In the second episode of this series, we look at the challenges manufacturers face capturing and utilizing their data, and how they can scale their technology deployments across a global industrial network. I hope you enjoy it. And you mentioned it's something that's we're not really talked about yet, but data. And I want to frame, don't want to frame this question too much, but the question was a wider question about the biggest challenges in manufacturing. And we could go down two routes or sort of the general issues or related to technology. So I'll let you I'll let you sort of maybe lead lead on that a little bit. But we can focus a little bit on the on the data issues. I mean or first of all, do you see sort of data issues in terms of quality, in terms of the amount of data or lack of data, mm-hmm. let's say. Mm-hmm. So that's a few questions in one. I yeah, I think, yeah, right. But you, yeah, you just guide me through them. So I mean, it, so the challenges around data, I think, in manufacturing today are, and of course, there are different type of customers. Yeah, don't get me wrong. But in general, um, if if I go through the shop floors, I think the first thing, and and this is always inherent, is that you have a highly diverse machine park. You have different type of machines. You have different type of PLCs, you have different type of sensors, you might have a connection network or not. Um, and, and then it starts really with the basics. So first question is, do you have an infrastructure at all to collect data from the machines? And what I see more than once is that, you know, it's a per- it looks perfect from the outside, like fully automated, I don't know, PCB assembly lines, uh, which have their individual NC programs, which produce at scale. But then you then go with the customer through the line and ask, so here you have an AI, so an automated inspection station where, you know, the chips are checked. Where does the, data, where does the data from the from the AI go to? And I said, yeah, it's staying local. So, okay. So, wow. Okay. So then go to the next one. Same answer, right? Same, same, same. Which then leads to the fact that although they have the data, in case there is a problem with one of the PCBs at the customers, at the end customer side, they need to go physically go through the line back look at every station so what how was that produced that part and when which of course from a digitalization point of view is crazy in the sense that you have some data but you cannot use it because you just kind of connect it and store it into one as i call it unified namespace it means that one space where all this information is collected and can be used across the different stations that means then also the second point, which is, of course, due to the complexity in the shop floor is, of course, some sort of data normalization, as I would call it. Uh, it's uh, still uh, a difference if I connect uh, a very old machine, maybe where I need to do a retrofit to, to add some sensors versus a new machine like an S7-1500, which has an OPC UA on board or a full driver set. Um, and to normalize information, meaning, okay, this data point out of the SM1500 means temperature, which also means the other data point out of an old style machine. That's also quite, can be quite some effort. And I think a lot of customers underestimate that it's not only about storing bytes, it's about storing contextualized bytes. And um, 
that data normalization, of course, also is something um, which takes time. Um, and it's most of the times underestimated, respectively, not set up in the right way that you can later on it, because it doesn't help you if it, if it contextualize one machine and then the next machine, which is a different one, has a different context, so I cannot compare and cross-correlate. So uh, I, I think that's, that's uh, for me, on the data side, really the issue. Um, but again, I also see technologies there emerging, which help um, to really scale connectivity in that sense, as I described it. So collecting data from different machines and normalize them. So for example, we, we integrated a, a partner solution called Easy Edge from the Matica, which allows, uh, which basically the core concept is they, they build drivers for different type of assets. And you can really out of, out of our solution designer can connect to the machine, can configure the data model online and normalize it uh, at, at a, in a scalable manner. Um, so although there are challenges still today, I think there's also technology coming up helping us out there uh, at some point of view. And then of course, when you have the data then and you start to collect it and, and uh, see also the first value add maybe already with condition monitoring, then the sky is the limit because then you have it in an infrastructure where you can build or add more solutions as needed. And if and right, if we just long answer for our first part, <laughs> no, 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 we've got one part left of my um, multifaceted questions. Right. So you've done well, and it's, it's yeah. more about the broad. I guess they, they've broadened out those the manufacturing challenges uh, they face today. Mm -hmm. um, aside from the technology, technology, and maybe the data side and IoT side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I think the general uh, manufacturing challenges. Um, I mean, I would say they're, they are, they are intact in some sense. So it's all about more efficient, more, more variance. So single, uh, single products or, or a lot size one topics, um, much more complex production processes. If I only look at, you know, electronic manufacturing, I mean, it's a highly automated, highly intrinsic industry where there's so much domain know-how in the production process alone that one person cannot grab it. And of course there are then, there are then, you know, follow-up challenges. Yeah? So how do I optimize on very, very automated, very good process? How do I ensure, uh, I would say knowledge consistency, if people leave or experts that leave, how do I preserve the knowledge? Um, we also have a challenge, which is a little bit of, uh, I would say homemade from, from a lot of software providers. Um, that, you know, due to this high complexity of the production processes, a lot of standard software, which is typically in use like MES systems, like also SCADA systems, whatever are delivered as a standard, but then they need to be highly customized to the individual installations, which then of course gets the customer off the main relief path with all the additional costs and complexities involved. So I think, um, these are the key challenges. Yeah, just perform better in operations. Uh, also, of course, uh, sustainability and energy is also I would cluster under that, which is of course a huge topic. And um, to be honest, also for some customers at the moment, a life-threatening topic. So if gas prices again quadruple, uh, what does it do to a bakery? Yeah, so it can kill your your business. Um, so perform better, more efficient, uh, constantly push the limit of that. 
um, also involve you know preserve the knowledge you have in your workforce and and and, and make it scalable in a sense that not only one person knows how the MES works, but maybe a system or, or a group of people. And then also, I think the transition of, uh, I would say, classic software, proprietary monolithic software setups into a new modular microservice-based IoT world, I would say these are some of the key challenges I see at the moment, or at least where some of the customers are, are working on or struggling with even. And yeah, let's see how this goes on. But I think, you know, the the inherent drive or, or motivation to solve these problems is, is there more maybe than ever with all the crisis we had. Uh, now the gas crisis in, in, or gas price crisis in, in at least Germany and maybe Europe, there's a lot of motivation also to drive the, the edge there or put push the limit there um, to get more efficient um, and avoid costs which are can be taken out with technology out of the system like you know energy prices like downtimes where of course sensor plays a huge role um, and and all these things um, I think come together and again I'm optimistic in a sense that technology there's still much more to come which can help us there and uh, innovation power is quite big still so I see uh, a lot of things coming up there which which are which are promising yeah, and bearing in mind that the current situation, um, well, yeah, like I say, across Europe and, and the UK as well with, with energy prices, is sustainability, and obviously with things like climate change, it's always been um, been a focus. But I guess the, when it's really impacting and hitting home, I guess that's really starting to make an impact on 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 the manufacturing industrial world. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so um, so what I wanted to do is sort of flip flip that round and really dive into the reply really and how you solve some of these challenges. And I know you've got um, quite an interesting approach. When I first sort of learned about you guys, it was um, it was very eye opening. I, I haven't seen anything like it personally myself. So it'd be great for you just to explain briefly. <laughs> you've talked about a lot of challenges, so it might be, maybe the top right. three, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe think about some ideas for solving them. Yeah. Um... No, happy to do that. So look, I mean, I think the core idea um, behind Axelos is that um, um, in really, in order to really adopt digital solutions or technology in a, in a production environment, you need to tackle the issue not only from a technology point of view, so what type of cloud, what connector, whatever, but really think that through end-to-end and provide the, the customer a system that supports them along the way. So um, uh, the first question, of course, starts if I talk to a line manager. It's not so much which cloud is it Azure or AWS or whatever. The first question is, so so what type of problems you can solve with that? So can you, can you increase the OEE of my press line? Uh, can you can you reduce the outgoing inspection cost of my warehouse management system? Because this is the reality that people live in, right? So it's, it's their language, it's their lingo. So the first question would be, okay, I don't care too much about technology, but what type of problems you address? And then the next question is, of course, so if you address them, so what are the target KPIs that you improve with that? So is it, is it OEE? Is it, 
outgoing uh, uh, warehouse costs? Is it, uh, I don't know, scrap rate? So what are the KPIs that uh, are impacted by a digital solution that improve my KPI set? And uh, how does it relate to my current uh, production processes or operating procedures? What do I need to change? And I think this is, this is something um, which um, sometimes was forgotten. I mean, and I'm also reflecting on myself, right? So uh, don't get me wrong, as I'm not talking about others here, but I mean, something was, sometimes was forgotten when, when we started with all cloud and IoT platforms, that we went to customers and said, look, we have an IoT platform, it can do everything. But actually, that means nothing to the customer, right? So the, the first step is what is the what is the value add and what is the what are, what are the target KPIs which processes are are there to be changed? Then the next thing that needs to happen is somebody needs to translate that use case as I call it into a technology stack, and the technology stack um, typically what you have is a pre-sales type of approach. You design it, maybe you have an IT platform, so some of the parts are are standardized. But still, there's a lot of complexity translating that technology stack into something meaningful operational for a customer. It's uh, so which type of sensor? Let's let's maybe stick with predictive maintenance, right? So let's assume I identify it in my first question. Okay, this is my process. This is the critical asset I need to monitor. That I cannot afford a downtime. Then the first, the next technical question is okay. Maybe I can collect data, but which type of sensor do I need to pick up the right KPIs or, or parameters in order to predict the failure? Where do I need to mount the sensor? Because it doesn't help if I mount a vibration sensor in the wrong axis, so it cannot pick up a failure mode, which then relates again. So how is your equipment mounted? So what I'm trying to say is, so there's a lot of complexity in that. Uh, and um, the, the way you can manage that is, I think, not on PowerPoint or, or I don't know, any other Excel or whatever, or email. But for these type of complex design and uh, simulation topics you you have today an engineering system which does it for you so a system that breaks down your target value design into individual building blocks so what is the kpi what are the driving factors which processes are attached to it that breaks down your technology stack into bricks into microservices into connectors and also allows you to easily adopt it for a specific installation Meaning it tells you which type of modules I have, which type of building blocks I have, which type of integrations are already there, which type of modules are missing. So I forward it into an R&D processes and get it developed once and put it into my repository. But it's a system that supports this whole process of translating the use case into a concrete installation. And the last thing for the end customer, which is important, so how do I get the thing installed? So what are the 50, 150 steps I need to do in which sequence that my service provider or my service team can now execute in order to get this um, solution for the use case I defined, get it installed. And then we're talking about what we call digital installation workflows, right? So we want to provide the end user the experience. Okay, these are the different type of use cases you can address. You can go in, you can configure your own requirements there. Then you load a uh, so-called template, solution template, or the solution, wh whoever does the technical solution loads a solution template against it, can engineer it with the engineering system. So Axelos will tell you, this works, you have that in Pedro, you can configure it differently, it fits, or there's something missing, so build it, and then you have it in the system. 
and then you publish it again back to the to the end user who ordered the the problem statement and what he gets is actually of course information he gets the tech stack and then a step-by-step -step instruction which you can start to execute to really get the solution installed and onboarded plus of course a lot of you know industrial hardened issue raising and issue handling and so on but uh, i think this is actually the core idea of axelos we don't look at the technology alone we look at the end-to-end -end process from what is my problem down to i have it installed it's up and running and i have the value yet generated and we do it based on an engineering system which allows to configure these i mean first of all we can templify use cases we can templify solutions we can configure with the model solution designer the delivery for sites so it means it's it's also feasible to adapt the solution easily to a specific technical setup and we can execute with installation workflows the whole uh, you know enablement and rollout of these things and you know with that engineering system you now for for the first time you have a lot of information at hand which allows you to go further than that so for example as we have a templified use case a templified solution uh, you can compare so which type of customers are using which type of templates right and you can do recommendation engines like your customer, um, other customers in your field which have the same scope tags, they 80% have these three solutions installed. Maybe you want to have a look at it. Um, we can automate the connection so we can integrate with Easy Edge and out of the solution design directly connect to the machines, of course, giving all the access rights and firewalls are open for, for, for Axelos. And out of the solution design, configure the, uh, the data model. We can automate software configuration deployment. That means in the tech stack that you design or in the solution template, if you need to configure that for the customer, um, we basically can trigger a CSCD pipeline out of the configuration to, and pull out the modules, software modules, as configured in Axelus, and then trigger the CSCD pipeline, deploy it, and run it. So it means actually for the customer, for the end user, it means in the installation workflow, there's only one button. So deploy software and the configuration that was delivered to him is automatically installed on the cloud and, and it, it runs. Yeah? So there are many, many things we can do because we have this engineering system. And for me, it was a little bit eye-opening when I first gave it to my, actually the first customer, which is Autotech, which works with, with Axelus and engineering system. It's a machine builder. So they build their own uh, machines and they want to build their own digital solution templates and deliver it you know and as they start to work with it they give it into sales which then promotes use case templates to the end user and so on there are so many ideas coming up of what it can do uh, to ease that whole process of you know getting a solution installed at a customer that is really amazing so um, we're now going into a regime for example where we also manage the so-called exposed data so we manage the installed base also which type of assets are there in the field what type of data are they exposing and then the system automatically matches the this exposed data with potential use cases and what type of information they need so that you have actually you can go to the customer you can say this is your machine based on our library these are the 10 15 use cases which would work on your machine which one you want which one should we configure and deliver and again, you have it made much more easier for sales to to sell a solution. So instead of starting a project, go, somebody going there, looking at the machine, doing a PowerPoint, doing an architecture, it's 
it's all automatic out of the system and you're very quickly to the installation workflow so that also the end customer the end user has the feeling oh that's a product right it's nothing like a project it's ah they know that okay i want this use case i want to save energy i want to save, save chemicals next thing you'll see is the installation workflow and the service team installing it and up and running that's a complete transformation of how you do digitalization and that's what you know excites me right <laughs> because i was suffering for 10 years maybe to scale that whole thing and now seeing the first customers really doing it is really great uh yeah but that's but that's excellent it's actually an accelerator for the adoption of digital solutions templified an engineering system which does that and uh, also not to mention uh, not last to mention is it's also a huge partner model right because a lot of partners like sensei um, you have a great technology which addresses very specific use cases but like your end customers of course partners are struggling to sometimes to scale that into all these very different or sometimes different plant setups and that's actually where where we want as exclus to help also work with our partners because uh, we are focusing really on this end-to-end -end part so how can we make it seamless and scalable to get solutions installed whereas you and others have great technologies which can help really customers if it would be easy for them to use it and that's actually what what Exos can contribute so um yeah end-to-end -end, um it's uh it's uh it's a great story so far and we're very happy with with our customers working on that um because i still think that the basic idea is viable and that especially it opens up a lot of new functionalities and features which we can build now based on information and the engineering system we have to support our customers and partners. No, that was, that was a really, know, really great. Was <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It, was, it was a really, really clear sort of explanation. Really, really interesting seeing some of the some of the work you're doing. And, I mean, yeah. and that sort of approach to what I like about it is like, say so you've got an approach, a, a proven approach, which you can then go to other similar companies and say, oh, look, we've got this this approach, you know, similar challenges, and this is what we did here, here here and here, which, and does that right. help to solve that plant by plant, you know, as we're saying within an organization, different plants almost work independently in some, does it, that help, that must yes. really help to overcome those issues that we've sort of covered already. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, the point is that, you know, with, uh, with the Axelos engineering system, you have, you know, these use case and solution templates, but of course you also have a, we call it portfolio manager role. So the central role which which overlooks which type of use cases which solutions but more importantly which type of building blocks so microservices sensors connectors ui elements whatever are in the system which are able which can be used to build a solution right um and of course this allows very very efficiently to centrally manage which technology is really used yeah right so if there's no i don't know if there's no aws in the system then of course you cannot configure a solution based on AWS if you want to, if, if you centrally decided it, but you use another cloud platform. Um, and um, what I also like about this approach is, look, I mean, you could always do a directive top down and say, this is our technology, but most of the time people, uh, I mean, I'm always struggling with top down. <laughs> you do that and nothing else. Um, uh, if you're not convinced, um, but what, what Exilus provides is actually if the people understand that with Exilus, they can very easily and quickly get a solution uh, without spending a lot of workshops, a lot of effort, a lot of traveling and so on. And it's actually also a community uh, of 
templates coming up. So you can also, as a plant, very easily add a use case request, which then others can see and they can learn from each other. So if you get that spirit together that people collaborate and get something delivered as a customized product, to be honest, then nobody really questions anymore what type of building blocks are there. I mean, of course, there are some discussions, but at the end, the experience of, okay, I get a problem solved, I get it solved quickly and uh, with, uh, with a scalable approach is more important than really the last detailed technology question. That means mm-hmm. you centrally decide, you just put in the sort of say the Lego bricks, which are allowed. And if, if the users see the value add of the overall exercise, meaning get problems solved, get them solved fast, then this discussion more or less dies out and you don't need a directive. You just say, Hey, I give you the playground. You can play around with it. Uh, by the way, the toys are in, which I define. Uh, and then you set a standard without really doing a, I know I force you to do something, but you provide a clear value add also in the way you digitalize. And then the customers or the users start to use it, um, without having a lot of, you know, um, technology discussions, which, and I'm, and I'm not against one or the other technology. I mean, there are all great technologies out there. But what the, the only thing I would like to say is that sometimes customers spend more on discussing basic technology features or solutions uh, w- versus making sure that this technology is translated into a concrete value add at the shop floor. And I think that is going away with that approach um, because it makes it easy for the users. They use it and then the rest is, is just set in the system. So that was the second part of our series looking at the challenges of implementing Industry 4.0 solutions. I hope you enjoyed it. It's clear that before manufacturers even think about the technology they would like to implement, they must be clear on the KPIs they'd like to improve and whether they have a culture in place to deliver scalable projects. Please subscribe via your favorite podcast provider if you'd like to be notified about future episodes. And it would mean a lot if you could let us know your feedback by leaving us a review. You can find out more about how Sensei can reduce unplanned downtime and contribute towards improved sustainability within your manufacturing plants by visiting Sensei.io. Thanks a lot for listening.